Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of my podcast called Steps to the Spirit. Last week, I finished up with step number nine, which is really the last step in what I call the action steps of the 12. The next steps that we will be talking about will be steps 10, 11, and 12, and they are generally referred to as the maintenance steps of the 12-step program. These are the steps where I keep checking out myself, keep checking out my behavior, and keep reinforcing and strengthening my relationship with my higher power or God. But before we start on those three steps, I thought I would kind of sneak in here and give you a try to give you some understanding of what God is to me and what God means to me. So I'd like to try to explain my relationship with God and how it has become this way. And it might take two episodes to do this, and I'm pretty sure it will. So my spiritual development kind of started as I was adopted uh, as an infant into a Catholic family. Now, when I say Catholic family, I don't mean the go to church, go to confession, do all the Catholic things type of family. They were pretty much Catholics in name only. And then when they got me, um, some of that had to change. They had to participate more in the Catholic faith only because that's what they were. I'm sure there wasn't any talk about God, about Catholicism, or about anything really spiritual in my first five years of life. And then when I was five years and nine months, a little bit early, I was enrolled in parochial school, a school, a Catholic school that was taught by uh, an order of brothers. Let me say that by, uh, when I look back on my education with the brothers, I, I really have no complaints. At the time, I wasn't a happy puppy at all. Well, each brother usually had a teaching assistant which was in the form of a leather strap that hung from their, uh, their little belts and their habits, and they weren't afraid to use them. But the education that I received from Catholic school was exemplary. They didn't accept second best, and they really got us to try our best one way or another. I remember one year I had to go to uh, summer school because I flunked Latin in Catholic school. And when after the third or fourth day in summer school, the teacher, it was a public school, and the teacher asked me uh, why I was there. And I said, well, I'm here because I flunked Latin in my school. And he looked at me, and he says, well, you know more Latin than anybody in this class. And I said, yeah, but not enough for the brothers. So my education was outstanding, but, uh, you know, I never, especially at home, I never quite measured up. 
I I never performed as well as I should have. If if uh, I, I could have gotten an A and I got a B plus uh, or an A minus, uh, it wasn't a happy time at my house, at, at my home. And in my home was the beginning of when I started to develop this lack of self-worth or self-esteem. Uh, my mom would yell constantly. I, I, that's how I remember her mostly, was a yell person. And that's, I know, a way of probably being in control. Um, and it, it always made me feel less than. I was constantly being put down. Uh, I was constantly being told I was not good enough. In school, I was learning not only uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but I was also learning about me as a Catholic and what I was expected of me as a Catholic. I remember making my first Holy Communion, uh, and I remember that we were all dressed in white. We looked like little angels uh, with white shorts and everything white. I think it was the purest I've ever been in my whole life. Then we had to do our confirmation, which was, uh, again, it was quite the ceremony, and I had to take my confirmation name, which I took, I think it was Joseph. And, of course, there was all the ancillary things that go with the Catholic faith, and one of them being uh, confession. Well, I hated that part of it. My learning of the Catholic faith was pretty much um, that it, my goodness depended on performance, and I wasn't performing very well. Um, so confession for me was excruciating, because everything I did seemed to be wrong, and then not only did I have to feel bad about doing it wrong, I had to tell somebody that I did it. I remember one particular day, and this is a true story, by the way. I had come out of confession and had my penance of probably 100 Hail Marys and 500 Our Fathers. And when I came out of the confessional, walking down the, the aisle of the church was this girl who was absolutely gorgeous. And I think I might have been around 12 at the time. And my mind went racing, boy, I'll tell you. You know how hormones are when you're 12 years old. Well, I didn't know what to do. I thought, I'd better run back into the confession. Before I even got to say my penance, I was having problems again. So that's how it went for me. I remember in religion class learning about uh, things called indulgences, and there were things in the older church where uh, you could get a partial or a plenary indulgence where you, if you did something, you could do something else to make up for it, and all of your time in, say, purgatory would be wiped out if you got a plenary indulgence. And um, so, and I know in the old days, people used to be able to actually pay for indulgences, and I thought, I'm going to have to make a lot of money because I'm going to have to buy these things every week in order to be able to 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 get to heaven or or to not spend my whole afterlife in purgatory. So between this spiritual life that I certainly wasn't living up to 
and my life as a person at home that I wasn't living up to that either. I really considered myself probably one of the worst human beings on the face of the earth. And that's how I functioned. I tried to make everything outside, uh, the way I looked, um, the way I behaved. Uh, I tried to make that all make up for who I really was inside. I tried to put on a show for people and, you know, be a really nice thinking kid and, and, and people would overlook the inside. But that was kind of hard to overlook because my mother <laughs> would tell everybody what a, a rotten individual I really was and what she had to put up with in order to live with me. So during all this time as a kid, where was God? You know, I had this idea of God, um, and I played the game really well. As a matter of fact, I remember two of us from my school were chosen to go to Iona College as emissaries, I guess, from the school, and they had little habits for us to wear, uh, little black habits, and we were up there as uh, probably an example of the future uh, religious teachers, uh, whatever it was, I'm not sure. But who I said God was and who I thought God was were completely two different things. I had no sense of a personal God. And if I did, it was someone who uh, wasn't very happy with me at all. The thing I wanted most in the world at that time was not to be me. And I wanted to run. I wanted to get away from who or what I was. I wanted to be somebody different. And I actually ran away from home uh, when I was around, when I was in early high school, uh, myself and I talked one of the other kids in school to do it. We uh, packed bags, stole money from home, got on an airplane and flew from New York to Puerto Rico. Um, tried to join the service down there. I had made phony ID. It didn't work. Um, I remember doing a lot of drinking down there, and we were underage, but in Puerto Rico it didn't seem to matter. There were a lot of sailors down there, and um, they kind of took us under their wing, and we managed to be there for 10 days, maybe two weeks, and then finally they... They sent us home because we were turned up on a missing persons list. But that was the story of my life. I wanted to always run away from myself. Unfortunately, I always kept running, but every time I ran and got somewhere, there I was. You know, I just couldn't leave myself someplace and go somewhere else. It didn't work that way. So after that episode, I ended up back home in the Bronx, and um, went to a different school, went to a public school, because the parochial school wouldn't have us any longer, and got a job at a supermarket and worked, and I learned at that time about drinking and about alcohol, and found out that when I drank, I could be 
somebody other than myself. And boy, did that feel good. I didn't have to worry about who I was or who you thought I was. I, I just was kind of out of it. But I loved it. it that, that little respite, that little piece of uh, relaxation that I got. And even then, I described myself as if like I were a steam boiler with no pressure release valve. And it became that alcohol was my pressure release valve. And to this day, I think that by finding and discovering alcohol, it kind of saved my life. Because I don't know where I would have been. Uh, I, I don't know how I would have handled life uh, without that. I was still in no condition to even think about God and think about God possibly loving me. <laughs> loving me? Nobody would love me as far as I was concerned. So now I'm going to end here because I don't want this to be too long. And I, I don't want to leave you really on a negative note because now uh, my best friend is God, uh, at least my spiritual best friend. And I realize that um, I am perfect in a spiritual sense, certainly not in a physical sense, and certainly not in a, uh, a living day-to-day -day sense. I'm far from perfect. If you don't believe me, you could ask my wife. But um, next time, I'm going to try to talk to you about how things went from there, how, how I started to realize that I wasn't able to handle life on my own. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.